0: our journey through the book of 2 Samuel. We were most in the end of Second Samuel, 2 Samuel 19, if you open there. And let's see, verse 15, let's see what the Lord has to say for us here tonight on this chapter. I already finished my study in the book of Second Samuel. I'm doing my study right now in the book of Second King of First Kings, I'm sorry. And uh, I tell you what, it is I enjoyed going through the Bible chapter by chapter. I hope you do too. We can learn so much from it. There's many messages that will never be preached otherwise if you don't go through it like that. But anyway, the Lord was trying I always ask the Lord to give me a message on each Chapter and the Lord's been faithful to me, so He always uh, opens my mind for some for some lessons here, and it is a blessing to see as we move along. Anyway, look look at our, uh, Second Samuel nineteen fifteen. It says, "So the king returned and came to Jordan, and Judah came to Gilgal to go to meet the king, to conduct the king, to conduct the king over Jordan." Let's pray heavily, Father. Thank you so much, Lord, for. The Bible, for the Word of God, that we can learn, we can study, we can memorize the Lord, we can live it. Lord, we can tell others where to find food. And I pray, Lord, for tonight, give us something we can take home tonight. Lord, and I pray, Father, help me to give justice to the passage, Lord. And Lord, help me to be a blessing to my brothers and sisters in Christ tonight. And I pray, Father, if someone on social media tonight who never received Jesus as personal Savior... May today, may tonight, they open the doors of your heart, of their heart, and Lord, and call upon you for salvation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, uh, look, tonight, uh, meet your king. Meet your king. If you had an appointment, I see some of you might want to smile at me, but if you have an appointment uh, uh, to go to the White House and meet the president, would you go? (laughs) <laughs> brother was go, oh, I'm not going there. <laughs> well, you know, uh, one time, uh, several years back, it was several years, it was several years back, uh, Obama's wife came to our place, to our job. Not where I work, but the opposite side. They were going to lay the keel of a ship, and she was going to be, it was USS Illinois. And she was going there because her name is going to be in that boat. So I know I well, I went just because I respect the position. Didn't necessarily agree with the policies of her husband, but anyway. But the, the question tonight: If you had an appointment to go to the White, House, the, the White House to meet the president, would you go? I mean, everything paid. You just had to get yourself, then say yes, get yourself there. Would you go? Would you? How would? If if you would go, to go, how would you go? You're going in like nice big stretch limousine, you know. Uh, I would. I think I would go in a nice. If they would pay, I'll go in a nice white one. <laughs> if they would pay. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> uh, so would you go? I don't know if you go. Would you go, Robert? Mm-hmm. No, Robert wouldn't go. <laughs> 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 I think I would go. I think I would go. Anyway. Uh, I want to see, I, I want to just, you know, just want to meet the guy. So, ladies, w- if you were to go, would you put your best clothes on, best dress, brass shoes, the, maybe the best perfume you have? Guys, if you, uh, you, if you go, you would put like a suit and tie on, your great, great cologne that you have, the most expensive one, or the one you buy at Dollar Tree, I don't know. <laughs> uh, would you go with a pair of shorts and sandals? How would you go? Let's say you say, I would go. How would you go? You're going to meet the president. That's a big deal, isn't it? Wow. You guys are not very enthusiastic. <laughs> oh, What about the people in the sound room? Would you guys go to meet the president? Wow. Okay. <laughs> wow, okay. I thought, yeah, I thought I was going to have some participation here tonight. Chrissy, would you go? If it was Reagan, I would go. <laughs> yes. If it was Trump, I'd go. Depends on the president. Eh? Depends on the president. Yeah. I, I, I respect the office. Of, of, I respect the office. I not necessarily will agree with the policies of certain people there. Uh, and I will tell them, Oh, a great opportunity to say, Mr. President, I am glad I'm here to meet you, but I do not agree with your policies. (laughs) But anyway, that would be a good uh, opportunity to say, you know, to witness to him, you know, to tell them about Jesus. Anyway, so you can't always look in the positive, all right? Can't always look in the positive. So anyway, (laughs) so in this chapter, we find King David returning to his home, and, and to his throne in Jerusalem. And after, after he's forced to exile because by the rebellion of Absalom, Absalom his son, of course. So Absalom was been, has been killed and the king is returning to take his rightful place on the throne of Israel. So David is returning. Uh, as he returns, he finds people in Israel at odds over his return. Some are prepared for his return, uh, the, for the return of the king. Others are not so glad that he's returning. Remember when he was in exile? Some people, yeah, yeah, yeah. remember the message I had says, as like in every red light that he stopped, but somebody did criticize him. And some people call him all kinds of names. Uh, won't even throw stones at him. Uh, but we have right now, he's returning. Well, when he, as he's returning, some people are not very happy that he's returning. Some of them are anticipating. So, So, in this chapter... And in the first verse of, of chapter 20, we are present, presented with five different people. who met the king as he's returning. Each individual meets King David with a different attitude and from different, a different point of view. So uh, needless to say, before we, uh, we are done, we, need, we, need to see, uh, we will see that while the king's return was a time of joy, not everyone was happy to see David coming back to Jerusalem. Now let me put it this way. Tonight I want to inter- intertwine this passage with the account of our king's return. Alright? When Jesus returned, there are people who are not going to be very happy. Okay? They're not going to be very happy that he's returning. There are others that are not thinking about his return. They just don't think about it. and A lot of Christians are in that boat. But there are some that are anticipating his, his coming. The king is coming any And their life is literally around that. I'm living for God because he can come any moment. So that's their life. They're surrounded by that. In their mindset, they look up. The Lord is at today. Lord is at today. And they live in that expectation that the king is coming. I mean, It can come any time. So, so tonight I want to do that. The Bible tells us that there is a king named Jesus... He left the church left one, one day to go back to heaven. Before He left, He gave His people some precious promises that stand as a glorious hope to His people. Let me put it this way. Do you believe in God's promises? No. Another question. Do you believe that God changes His promises? No, of course not. Okay. If you don't believe that, go to John chapter 14. Because there, we have a promise of a resurrected Jesus. who promised us that something that's going to happen, He's going to go to heaven, but He's going to come. Look what it says in verse 1. Let not your heart be what? Troubled. I said, don't, be, don't live full of trouble. Like what it says, it says, You believe in God, you believe also in me. And look what it says. In my Father's house are many mentions. And if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. So, why did Jesus go to heaven? Prepare a place for us. That's what he says. I go to prepare a place for you. And look what he says in verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. That is a promise. And we Christian people, we look forward to that promise to be fulfilled. When that can happen? Anytime. Any given moment. We don't know. But see, there are Christians who are, are very... Worldly minded, who don't even think about the coming of the Lord, that's not in their minds, but there are those whose lives are wrapped around that. Lord, are you coming today? Lord, are you coming today? And they live their lives looking to that. So it is a crown given to those who are looking for the coming of the Lord anyway. So he says, I will come again, look what it says, and receive you into myself, there where I am, there ye may be also. Listen, when Jesus comes to get his church, there's no more separation. Isn't that wonderful? The bride and the groom for all eternity. Wow. So, Revelation 20, 20 says, He which testified these things said, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. So these promises are great blessings for those who know and love the King. Same thing. I mean, you know, I know David was a man and Jesus is God. We understand that. But David was in exile when he comes back. Some people don't want him back. But some people are anticipating. Same thing about King Jesus. Now the truth is the matter of, is this. Not everyone will meet Jesus the same way when he returns. Some will be excited and happy. Others will be caught off guard. Still others will be found lost and undone. And will find that, that eternity, eternity in hell and all they have before him. So the, the question is, I, have, I have for you tonight is, how will you meet the king? Happy? anticipating, I'll tell you, folks, I'm ready to be raptured. <laughs> uh, I'm, ra- I'm, I'm ready for that. I mean, I don't want to die and go to the grave. I just, you know, but that's my will. No, maybe that's not God's will, right? I mean, you know, my will is like poof, <laughs> in the clouds with the Lord. But the Lord knows better, you know, as, as ways are higher than my ways. And who am I? I'm just a servant. But the Lord knows my heart. So tonight I'd like to look, to look back and uh, look at a few of the people who met King David, when he returned from exile, and I would like to show you from the, uh, the accounts of these men how, will, uh, uh, how many will meet, the, meet, King, meet King Jesus I'm sorry, when he, he returns someday. I would like to show you the ways various people will meet. King Jesus when he returns. So let's look at first from this from several points tonight. Number one, some will worry. We see this in verse seventeen. Look what it says. And there and there were a thousand men of Benjamin, which with him and Ziba, the servant of the house of Saul, and his fifteen sons and twenty servants with him. And they went over Jordan before the king. Now, letter A is slandering. Uh, slandering pe- people's names. Now, let me put it. This is Zebo. We look about this guy before. And when, when David when he was in exile, Zebo met with King David. And what did he do? He teared down somebody else's name. It was Mephibosheth. All right? So, folks, it is never a nice thing to be talking untrue facts damaging the name of people behind their backs. You get that? I think that it is a wrong thing to do. The old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's not true. Words can be hurtful. Can be hurtful. So can we forgive? Yes. But still hurts. So words can be a great deal of damage to those who have been slandered. Goodness, how many people have been slandered? So slander is making a false verbal statement that damaged someone's reputation. So imagine, was Jesus slandered? Oh, over and over again. The accusations, they even call him the son of the devil. They call him all kinds of, all the false accusations against Jesus. Jesus experience, he experienced that. So the Bible has a lot to say about uh, about slander in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Actually, slander is so high on God's list of wrongs, that he includes it in the Ten Commandments. The, the Ninth Commandment says, actually Exodus chapter 20 verse 16, Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. So bear false witness includes slander because of the untruth being spread. So slander is simply lying about someone with the intent of causing others to view that person in a negative way. So slander is a malicious lying and God hates lying. Isn't it God hates lying? Go to Proverbs chapter 6, 6 16 to 19 it says right there. So since God is the author of truth obviously he's against lying. So anything untrue in, is in the opposition to his nature and therefore repulsive to him. So we Christians we should, we should be we should be agents of truth. Follow that? I'll give you an example. I was going to say that about if anyone had a blessing tonight, and I was going to share my blessing. By the way, anybody has a blessing you want to share tonight? Because I was going to mention that in the beginning, but I have a blessing because it's a great blessing. It goes right with my message, okay? Uh, And it happened today. So, anybody has a blessing tonight? Blessing one, blessing two, blessing three. (laughs) I'm sorry? Every day is a blessing. Praise the Lord. Every day is a blessing. But this is what happened last night. I was, you not understand, but I'm going to explain as best as I can, okay? So I was, in the end of the day, I get a, all the jobs that is done comes from inspection. And I go there, and I get all the jobs. Each job, depending on the joints that they have, they have different papers. And I get all that papers. and I go in the computer, and I uh, just upload everything to the computer, and I get all the work, and I take it to... X-ray area. They're going to, to X-ray those things. Well, I was doing that, and I noticed one job that actually one of the cards would not fill correctly. So I said, well, I can't send this job. And then, then I forgot what I did. So I, I, I went to the bathroom, which is a mile away, came back. When I came back, I told nothing about it. So I was going to put the job back where I took them from. So I you know, took the job. and when I got there, and realized the cards were missing. I was like, oh, okay. So I go back to my desk. There's no cards, so I began to search everywhere. I said, "When the world happened to the cards?" So I'm looking. So I'm been thinking, Lord, I'm began to pray, Lord, where is the cards? Show me where's the cards. So I'm looking everywhere, and the only thing I could think, I put the cards in the uh, recycle bin, which I cannot open because it's locked. There's only opening is about this small, and only people that can open that thing is security. So I said, "All right, it's there tomorrow. It's already late in the afternoon." I said, right, "I'll go home, and tomorrow I know where it is. I go through it." So, I was not worried. I was concerned. So, it kept me up through the night. It was like in the morning, I get up and boom, it's like right there. So, I was like, oh, good night. So, you know, uh, I go to work and I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. And I go there. So, I go, I, I go to this plastic, I mean, recycle bin about this big like that. And I look there, I put my flashlight there and I start going through the papers. And I look through the papers, nothing. And I look up and I say, Lord, please show me what is the card. This is going to be hard. Because it is, you know, I, honesty goes a long way. I talked I to my wife at home and she said to me, So you need to report it. And I, you know, your mind goes through a lot of stuff. And I was like, you know what, I will do it. So I'm looking around. So one of my coworkers comes and says, I think you lost something, didn't you? And I explained to him, he goes, e, that's not good. I was like, tell me about it. I didn't sleep all night. <laughs> So I'm looking around, looking around. So the Lord just made me walk through the walkway, and I go and pass by the job, and I'm I'm really praying. I'm believing it, it was really. I looked to the side, and the cards are in the job. You know what I did? I went outside. I praised God. I gave Him glory. I sang. I came in rejoicing. It made my day. <laughs> it really did. And the Lord just put it. I don't know. Maybe some. I think maybe I put it somewhere, and I forgot where I put it. Maybe somebody took it, and they put it in a job. But I tell you wow, what, what a lift out of my shoulders! That was a great blessing. So anyway, I share my blessing with you tonight. And that's not part. It's actually part of the message. But anyway, so, <laughs> so there you go. So where was I? Uh, so uh, slander is a malicious lying, and God hates, like I said, hates lying. So the God, God is a God of truth, and we should rejoice in the truth. We are agents of truth. We shouldn't be going around as Christians lying to people. We should never mislead anyone. So both slander and gossip are wrong and scripture often condemns them together. We see this in Leviticus chapter 19 verse 16, Proverbs 16, 27, 2 Corinthians 12, 12 20. But slander takes gossip to a whole new level. So gossip collects someone's secrets and passes them to others. Slander Makes up its own secrets and broadcasts them. Whatever they will do, the most harm. You follow that? Let me repeat that. Gossip collects someone's secrets and passes them to others. Slender makes up its own secrets and broadcasts them. Whatever they will do, the most harm. So slander has no place in the lives in our lives when we become the new creatures in Christ. We're not the slander people. We should not slander. Look what Jesus went through. Look what the accusations that He went through. Look how much He suffered. uh, What they said about Him. So God's solution for slander is is to love each other. See this in John chapter 13 verse 34. So we don't slander people whom do we love, do we? Love wants the best for others. And that means guarding their reputation as we do our own. We don't allow Somebody to slander, a friend, a family member, somebody that you love. Listen, you want to see me up and full of energy? Somebody slander my, my Savior's name. If somebody curses Jesus in front of me. Oh, I'll tell you what, I stand up. I don't tolerate that. When we focus on obeying the Lord by loving uh, as He loves us, slander will not tempt So when David returns, one of the people who met him was a man named Ziba. So this man uh, had some real reasons to be worried here when, when he saw the king's coming. When the king left Jerusalem, Zib, Ziba was one of the king, uh, 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 came to the king and brought him food and other necessities, 1 Samuel 16 1 4. And in the prog- uh, process of giving food to the king, Ziba took the time to slander the name of Meth. Mephibosheth, and by doing so, he obtained all the property that belonged to Mephibosheth under false pretenses. What a great guy. Now the king's coming back. So in short, Z- Ziba lied to the king and attempted and, and to deceive him. So therefore, Ziba, I believe, was worried, and rightly so, when he saw the king's coming. He thought that maybe David was, was done as a king, but now that he's coming, he come to see the king again. Why? Probably worried. What is he going to do to me? Let it be regretful words. We see another one, regretful We see this in um, 2 Samuel 16, 5 to 13. So when King David was forced to flee from uh, his son Absalom, who covered his father's throne, of course, Shammai <coughs> met the king along the way, and this I blamed David for King Saul's death uh, during the battle with the Philistines. So Saul, had, in fact, at fall, uh, falling of, of his own sword to escape. But he blamed David here. And he called David all kinds of names. He slandered David. And now David's coming back. Gus, guess who's coming is there to meet David, this guy. So David's man wanted to kill this guy. Then there, but David, in, in his despair, believed the Lord had sinned. Shammai to curse him, and he refused to allow his men to kill this guy. So David in, in, in his, uh, resumed this thing by, uh, eventually, uh, uh, he made ways for his son to take care of this guy, Shammai. So eventually, of course, uh, uh, Absalom rebelling, it was, uh, was put down, so Absalom was killed, and King David... Was restored to his throne, so Shammai knew that he was now in shaky ground and to and, to be gathered, and I'm sorry, and he gathered him, with him over a thousand Benjamites, and went to meet David, second Samuel 19 uh, verse 16 to 17. So falling to his face, Shammai apologized uh, of his uh, past behavior and begged the king not to hold, uh, hold it against him, what he did in the past. So again, David, David's man asked to kill him. You know what? David's guy said to, to David, we can put up with this guy. Just Let's just get rid of this guy. Well, David was a man of compassion, I guess. But David refused and gave Shammai his oath that he would not kill him. It seems that Shammai was, was truly a despicable man, however, and that he persisted in his opposition to David. This guy didn't stop. On his deathbed, David charged Solomon and his son, to, to the task of executing this guy. We see this in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 9. Even though he made an oath not to kill him, he made provision that this man would be killed by his son. So the only reason Shammai was still alive was that David was honoring his oath. So Solomon showed Shammai mercy, uh, uh, giving him one final chance. As long as Shammai remained in Jerusalem, he would live you see this verse in verse 36 and verse 37. So Shemai agreed to the pact, but three years later he left the city. So when King Solomon found out, he called this man and told him, You know in your heart all the wrong he did to my father, David. Now the Lord will repay you for your wrongdoings. I'm kind of paraphrasing the verse. So Shemmai was then executed. So we can see here a pattern of of a man who didn't care about the words of the king. Again, let's put it this way. This guy represents many people in this world. There are people who curse Jesus, who use the name of Jesus in all kinds of things. They do it all the time. Imagine when Jesus comes. Imagine their position. How are they going to face the Lord? So folks, the best things we can do is watch our speech, watch our words when we speak to people. Some people can put up i put <coughs> I'm sorry, go back a little bit right here. so this man uh time and time again went back to try to amend his bad behavior with those uh, we had he had offended, and we know that the the man did did, did he continually continue to offend people he continued to offend David. But it came to a, point, to a point he met the wrong guy, which was Solomon. And Solomon was not going to tolerate Not to my point, I was going ahead of myself. So the best thing that we can do is to watch our speech, watch our words when we speak to people. Some people can put up with us for some time. But like everything else, that time can run out. We too can come to a point in which somebody will confront us very harshly because of our words, some people had to go for a while. I, I actually experienced this. at worked this week. This is a guy which is a foul-mouthed, nasty person, not a nice person to be around with. And uh, this guy is not a Christian man, but this guy this week said to him, "Enough! Don't you speak to me that way ever again." And he tried and said, "Not another word! Don't talk to me that way." So number two. Some will be waiting. Some will be waiting. Among those who came to meet David was a man Mephibosheth. This man, this uh, this was the man who had been misrepresented by Ziba. When Mephibosheth came to meet the king, we see that he isn't. He wasn't washed or shaved since the day David left Jerusalem. He was apparently spe- spending his time in mourning over the king. Uh, uh, as he re- uh, departed. So there is a, a very good reason for this right here. Mephibosheth's story is told in Second Samuel chapter 9, verse 1-13. to 13. So he was a descendant of Saul, and as, as such, he was the enemy of David. But David had, uh, 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 had every right to kill Mephibosheth. But instead, David spared that cripple, crippled man and took him as his own family and treated him as one of his own sons. So Mephibosheth loved. Love was based on what the king had done for him. He longed for nothing more than to see the king. So when David returned, he, acts, he acted a little unfairly to, to, uh, in regards of Mephibosheth. We see this in verse 29 of our text. But uh, the, the, the love of Mephibosheth is seen in the fact that he cared not about... His land or his property, he only cared about being with the king. Now, let me give you this way. Ziba got his property because he went and he misled the king. And he came back to make sure because he was worried. Now, this guy right here was was slandered and misrepresented. Now, but he goes and he goes and he waits for the king. Isn't that a blessing? When David confronted him, he says... To the king, I don't need land. I don't need all the stuff that you give me. I was just waiting for you, folks. Is that the way some Christians are? They don't care about rich riches. They don't care about anything. They're looking for the king. They're looking for King Jesus. In the meantime, they're living in the world, but their eyes and their hearts are focused on Him. He's going to come, and they're waiting for Him. So you see, there uh, some Christians who do not think about Jesus' return. Some of them are, are so worldly-minded that such an event is not even in their minds. But, some of, uh, but uh, there are some who spend their lives waiting for Jesus to return. To their hearts there will, be, there will be no sweeter sound than to hear that trumpet sound, or that trumpet blast, and the shout from heaven, Come up hither! That's the they were looking for, come up hither! What a sound. They're looking for that. I mean, they're living life on earth. They're witness to people. They're living for God. But the ultimate goal and desire is those words. Mephibosheth didn't care about the land. Didn't care about anything that David gave him. Mephibosheth was was happy to see the king return. I tell you what. There will be a day on which many will rejoice. Because now I am face to face with my king. Some of you are looking for Him right now. I know you are. I want everyone who is looking for the Lord Jesus to know that one day our hearts cry will be answered. Jesus will do as He said He will do. He will return in power and glory and take His people to be with Him in heaven. I tell you folks, I'm one of them. I'm looking for my King. Every day, I'm looking for my King. I tell you what, when I look at the ocean, I think about my King. When I look at the sunrise, I think about my King. It just comes to my heart. Yes, praise His name, His wonderful name. Jesus is coming again. I believe that. Will you be waiting when He returns? When the truth of what the Lord has done for you dawns in your soul... You will possess, and you will be possessed by a love for him. You cannot, it cannot be explained. It's like, yes, I'm looking for that. So Mephibosheth, so to speak, he was, he was rejoicing because King David is coming back home. Well, there are many thousands upon thousands of Christians who are looking for the king's return. When you remember that he loves you and keeps you and blesses you with more than, than we ever deserved. It will touch your heart and it will cause you to long for His return. My friends, please do not let the return of Jesus catch you looking at the world and all its treasures. Listen, if the Lord's blessing you financially, praise the Lord. If the Lord blesses you all kinds of things, praise the Lord. But don't put that between you and your king. Don't put that there. Rejoice in him for what you have, but ultimately... He should be the one reigning in our hearts. Are you looking for Jesus today? If so, then rejoice, for He might return today. The King is coming. Keep watching. Keep waiting, for He will return. Number three, some will be working. We see this from verse 31 to verse 39. Bazale. Was another of those who came to meet David when he returned to Jerusalem. So Barzillai meet, uh, meets the return of the king with great joy and happiness. So this guy, look what it says. Look at verse thirty-one. It says, And Barzillai the Gileadite came down from Rogelim and went over Jordan with the king to conduct him over Jordan." In Barzillai was a man a was a very aged, I'm sorry, aged man. We even fourscore years old, for he had provided the king, the king of substance while he laid. And look what it says in the end of the verse, for he was a, a very great man. So this guy, it was a man with great possessions. He had quite a bit of wealth. And this man, listen, he left everything he had just to go meet the king. Isn't that great? Isn't that great that we, we come to a point, or some of us come to a point, we just don't care about earthly treasures. We care about the king. So Bartholomew was one of, of three wealthy uh, landowners who we met David when he arrived. When he heard that David was returning to Jerusalem, he came down to see him. So unlike Shemmai uh, right here, had, uh, he had no sense to confess, nor was there a misunderstanding to straighten out. Of, uh, as with Mephibosheth, Bartholomew wanted no favor from the king. He, all he wanted was to, to rejoice that the king was coming. David wanted to reward him, but caring for him in his palace in Jerusalem, we see in those, in those verses, not only did, did David want to express his thanks, but, but by having so important men in Jerusalem, he would strengthen ties with the Transjordanic citizens right there, and a time when the unity was an important commodity there. But this man, Basile, graciously refused David's offer on the grounds that he was too old. You see, older people usually don't like to be pulled away from their roots or and location. They want they want to be buried with, together with their loved ones. And this and uh, at his age, Basile couldn't enjoy this the special pleasures of life at the place. And he would only be a burden to the king. Who already had enough things to do and things in uh, in things to do, of course. So and imagine this man. He glad uh, he, he at uh, uh, the... the uh, was, I'm sorry, when see the king's return, he was, he, he was about 80 years old. He still comes down from his house to welcome the king. You know what? There will be some people when Jesus returned, they will be found working, busy working, but will rejoice with the king. You know what I put this? What we do as Christians, we continue working. Until Jesus comes. We continue serving the king in the local church. Serving the king until he comes. And I think think it's a blessed thing when Jesus comes and find us working, serving him. What a great thing to do. This man was a man of wealth. This man was a busy man. But this man went out of his way as an old man to meet the king. And I tell you what. Don't lose hope. Don't be doubtful. Don't come to a point and say, What's the use? I'm at church this day and that day. Keep working. Keep serving the Lord and let Him find you faithful. Serving Him, working for Him. As long as He gives you a new day, let's serve Him. Every day when the sun comes up is a day to serve the Lord. They say, What the church is closed. Listen, you can serve the Lord in your neighborhood. You can serve the Lord in your home. You can serve the Lord in your workplace. You can serve the Lord wherever you go. You are an ambassador of the gospel. So we can serve the Lord wherever we go. You are a representative of God wherever you go. So let's serve Him. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't get discouraged. Jesus is coming, He is coming. So when the king returns, you will find that that the same spirit active in the life of faithful man. When the king left, he was serving him. And when the king returned, he was still serving him, this man. Yes, Basil, was an old man. Yes, even old. He kept on working. Let me put it this way. There is no retirement for God's people. You follow that? There's no such thing as retirement. Oh, you know what? I did so many things in my days. Listen. When you're not capable of doing something, the Lord will give you something else to do. You follow that? And when something else you cannot do, the Lord will give you something else to do. I used to tell, I tell Brother Valquet all the time, I don't want you to go on the streets and go knock on doors. You can't walk. And he was like, yeah, and he wanted to go like, you know, you stay here. <laughs> and you do something else. You know, and he accept that role. I mean, he's in heaven with the Lord, but he accept that role. So sometimes, you know, our roles we can't do this anymore, but we can do something else or something else. The Lord will put us in a place on which we can serve Him until He comes or until we go home. So we should never expect a pat in the back. Never expect that as we serve the Lord. No, let me put it this way: We humans, we humans, are we humans? You know, it feels good somebody to say, hey, I appreciate what you do. I mean, humans, we're we emotional people, and it's good to be, you know, somebody to acknowledge what you do. But when we serve the Lord, serve the Lord. Don't expect somebody to say, oh, a well, good job. Serve the Lord. And if somebody pats you in the back, praise the Lord. That's what I do. Hey, good message. Praise the Lord. That's not my message. It's his message. He's the one who gave it to me. It's not like, you know, oh, I'm going to say, oh look, oh, look, look, look at me. Look what I can do. Without Him, I can do nothing. Without Him, I can, He's the one who gave me the wisdom and the discernment to look at the Bible and He gives me a message. Not me. In my own power, I look at the Bible like He's not talking to me today. <laughs> Lord, I need a message. You know how many times I've done that? Lord, I read the chapter. You're not giving me anything. Lord, I need a message. Lord, so when I'm, I'm asking Him to give a message because I can't come with one of my own. So serve the Lord faithfully. Serve Him faithfully. When you discourage, look up to Him. When you're in doubt, look up to Him. When you don't see your way out, look up to Him. When you pat His hard, look up to Him. Don't give up, but keep on going. The journey is long and sometimes painful, believe me, but God will give you the strength that you need. For the journey. Remember that the king can return at any moment, any moment, and find you faithfully working and serving. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Let's say we're here in church serving the Lord. We all I'm sorry, we're all singing and boom, we're gone. And we in the clouds, praising the Lord, still singing. Oh, the Savior is right there. Isn't that great? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine you witness to somebody and, and you went to heaven? I think about that, you know, like, you know, we're serving the Lord and the rapture took place and we're right in the presence of the Lord. Number four, my last point some will be without. In uh, 2 Samuel 21 says, and there happened uh, to be there a man of Bilial, whose name was Sheba, the son of Bashari, the Benjamite, and he blew a trumpet and said, we have no part in David, neither have we inheritance in the son of Jesse, every man to his tents or Israel. So there was no, one other fellow who met uh, 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 David when he came back, and his name was Sheba, right? He, he described in verse 1 as a son of Bilial. So that the phrase refers to a person who was a rebel or a wicked man. This Sheba had one thing in his, in his mind, and it was to overthrow king David. He wanted, he wanted to see David dethroned from the throne. He hated David and tried to lead Israel in rebelling against David. So in response, David's generals went after Sheba and was fine, he was finally killed. 2 Samuel 20.22 20, Letter A is character. We're almost done. Sheba was immediately, immediately called son of Bilia and implies to, to his worldliness and in a term reserved to the wicked ungodly man. Let me put it this way. A guy against this man, when King Jesus comes, and King Jesus comes to get his church, those who are saved will go up. Right. Some will be left behind. Yep. This guy had nothing to do with King David. This guy, when King David dethroned, you know how many people in this world would love to dethrone Jesus? There are many people in this world would love to dethrone Jesus. They can't. No one can dethrone God. But let me tell you, there will be a day when the church is gone out of this world. There will be many left behind. His character, the Bible literally says he's a wicked man. His conduct, we see this in verse 1, that the leaders of Israel were upset as Judah over the way David returned to the throne. So believing they will... Uh, Signed by not being involved, this perceived sign turned into an argument which led into bitterness, interesting, and an argument over who cared for David must turn into a split right here. So Sheba took advantage of the situation. Let me put it this way. Dangerous men often use troubled times to to advance their cause, and one ungodly man can wreck something, especially even in churches or other places, just because they saw the opportunity. A lot of people like that. I've seen in the workplace happen on people that put their two cents into it just because they seek the opportunity. Number one, Sheba separates himself from David. We see this here. Number two, Sheba insulted David. So you hear this in verse 1. They had no inheritance with the son of Jesse. Implying David could favor Judas. See, he didn't kill, didn't, doesn't call him king here. He call him the son of Jesse. You know how many people blaspheme the name of Jesus? They don't call him king. They don't, they don't call him the Lord. They don't call him God of all. They call him all kinds of despicable names. Do you hear? Names that is called our Lord, our God, many times. These men had foolish alignment with the Absalom, pledged allegiance to David, and they quickly went after Sheba right here. So this is a reminder of how easy it is for people to follow what is trending instead of what is correct. Look what it says in Psalm four, The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. So the nation remained divided, and David returned to Jerusalem here, uh, with the doubt w- in which the result of Absalom rebelling here, he pardoned his, his concubines whom Absalom and molested, but confined them for the rest of their lives. So we see here that this man Sheba resembled, in many ways, those who don't know Christ as their Savior. In, in their own minds, they think that they are at peace with God and that they deserve heaven because they're just good people. This guy was not a good man. And let me tell you that hell is a place full of people with good intentions. We live in a world today, no one is bad. And the Bible says no one good is not our one. But everybody is a good person these days. You know, it, it gets different when we say to them, you are good compared to whom? You ever ask that question to somebody, to people? I ask that question to people who I witness to. I'm a good person. I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person. And I say, you are good compared to whom? Who you compare yourself to? To the guy next door? To your neighbor upstairs? To the guy across the street? What about God? See, this Sheba, it'll be like those who'll be left behind when Jesus comes. They mock God. They curse Jesus. They call church bad names. they call Christians, all kinds of names. But they come with day when Jesus comes for His church and they will be left behind. Now, this is not a matter of feeling here. I don't feel I am an enemy of God. This is not a feeling. This is a statement that comes right from the pages of God's word. God declares that those who are lost are God's enemies. Go to Romans chapter 8, and lo- look, let's look at a few verses there, and we are almost done. Actually, I'm going to conclude with that. Look what it says in verse 8. Uh, chapter 8, verse 7. Because the carnal mind is in enmity with, against God. The carnal mind. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. But God commanded His love towards us, and there while we had sinners, uh, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from a through Him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God... By the death of his son, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Now, if God have you as an enemy, how in the world can a lost person say, I am a good person? If he is an enemy of God, how could such a person say, I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person. First of all, heaven is God, God's dwelling place. Second of all, he's going there is God's people who go going there. When the king arrived, he found this continually talking bad about him, and the king's presence is is, is, he continue on talking. So, so will be uh, so will be when Jesus returned to take his church home. So many today are continually talking bad about Jesus as we wait for his return, and unfortunately, many of them will continue on talking bad uh, uh, of the king even after his arrival. So that their hearts are so hard that they don't see the need for salvation, need, uh, 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 the need uh, uh, of King Jesus at all for sure. The Bible says that, that the heart of man is the desperately wicked. Can you imagine that some people, even after the rapture, they will be putting a fist at God. I cannot, in my own heart, I cannot understand that. How could after millions of people would disappear out of the earth, And it will be chaotic in this world when the Spirit of God was lifted up out of this earth and people will put their fist at God. And that literally demonstrates and declares the wickedness of the human heart. That's what it does. And this guy Sheba right here, it was one of those guys. King David is coming. Guess what? He went out to no business to do with him. He was rebel. He was against God. And the verse says right here that he was the son of the devil. I conclude with this. How will you meet the king? If Jesus came today and He he could, would you be worried? I wouldn't. I'm not worried. I will be rejoicing. Would you be found waiting? Would you be found working? I have two of those. I'm waiting and I'm working. (laughs) I'm waiting and I'm working. And I will continue to work. I'll tell you why. I don't know about you, but since I got saved, I love serving Jesus. I do. So, Would you be found without? That's a place you don't want to be. Many will be found without. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Thank you Lord.